0: Back to another episode of the Freedom Talks podcast. Everybody, this is your host Joe Ogden. This morning, I'm joined by physical therapist Heather Barry, who works with me here at Freedom. Heather, good morning. Good morning. Heather, has well, how long have you been at Freedom? Um, almost three years. I was going to say that you've been here two years with me, but you were hired before I was, obviously. Yes. And you were here. Were you here during COVID?
1: Um, kind of at the tail end.
0: So 2020
1: uh well 2021 yeah or no yeah 2020 2020 2020,
0: yeah and before working at freedom what were you doing
1: um so i've been a physical therapist it's gonna be it's 26 years and i was at another private company before that um and i had worked for some orthopedic surgeons and then i worked for right when getting out of school i worked for like a big entity um
0: all in outpatient so So, uh, i give heather a hard time all the time (laughs) because Heather has been working as a physical therapist. She got hired the same year I was born.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So it's an easy thing to remember. However old I am, that's how long Heather's been practicing. There you go. (laughs) Heather, are you from the Whitefish Bay area? No. You Uh, just live in Whitefish Bay now? I do. Yeah, I'm in Whitefish Bay. My husband's from Whitefish Bay, but I grew up in Germantown. So not too far. So greater metro area. Yes. Tell us a little bit about how you grew up, where you went to school. PT school.
1: Yeah, no. I I grew up. I have um two siblings. Um, we were a tennis family, played tennis throughout high school, um, went to Germantown High School. And then uh, my parents, my mom is, was a nurse and my dad was in healthcare administration. Um, so I knew that I always wanted to do something in healthcare, I, I loved teaching. Um, and so I loved learning about the body and um, I ended up going to UW La Crosse um, for physical therapy.
0: So you did undergrad and physical therapy there.
1: Um, I am actually the last bachelor's class at uh, for physical therapy at uh, La Crosse.
0: So how did that work?
1: So the first two years we did just gen eds, and then um, from then on we were we had PT school. We had some internships in the summer, but it was like a two and a half year program. So
0: so you were done in four years. I
1: was was that was nice.
0: To me, that's so foreign now because of the doctorate you go, well, at least Carol, where I went, it's you do your three years of undergraduate. Yes. Your senior year of undergraduate technically is your first year of PT school if you're in the program and then it's the two years. So it's such a foreign concept to me to wrap my head around. Just you could go for four years and we have the same degree.
1: Right, 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 right.
0: Minus pharmaceuticals. Did you guys take farm?
1: um we got no very minimal and And then maybe some imaging imaging, i think is the difference exactly i looked into going back but it just wasn't worth my time or money to do that so
0: right away you looked at going back or after a while
1: no like five years down the road yeah
0: would they have grandfathered you in to get into lacrosse oh or in pt school in general i guess
1: um i or
0: how hard did you look at it
1: not too too hard yeah, I think there's a lot of people that did go back, but I just chose not to. I mean, there wasn't going to be much difference. I mean, it's I enjoy taking continuing education and just learning that way and improving my skills.
0: So did you know when you graduated that the next year was going to be a doctorate? Or was it a master transition? It was an
1: entry-level master's, exactly. So, yeah. So some of my roommates were entry-level
0: master's. So So they're MPTs instead of PTs and not DPTs? Yes. Yeah.
1: But we knew, they said by the year 2020, they were telling us that they wanted every school to be a doctorate. So I'm
0: pretty sure that's where they are. Yes. I don't even think it's possible to have just a PT anymore I think it's all DPT correct and I from what I've heard OT is going the same direction
1: Mm mm-hmm they just want that autonomy and just yeah I mean we have direct access luckily in
0: Wisconsin which is great so
1: they can come you know see whoever
0: so Heather do you have any certifications right now
1: no I don't have any certifications I've kind of do a lot of general jack-of-all-trades stuff so I do do some dry needling I've you know gone some routes through different schools, IPA, which is Institute of Physical Art, which is more mobilization, uh, functional mobilization with movement kind of stuff. Um, and then I've been getting a lot more into something called, um, uh, the PRI, Postural Restoration Institute, which again, our field continues to evolve. Um, they do a lot with, you know, breathing techniques and we have asymmetries in our body. Um, And so they want us to be able to make sure we're in a good, they call it reposition and then you retrain and then you reciprocate. They want you to not get stuck on one side of your body. So
0: I have tried to do PRI multiple times from multiple different therapists. I think it's something that works. I can't get my head wrapped around how some of it works for my own body, let alone try and treat someone with it. How long have you been treating PRI technique?
1: Um, I've been treating for about four to five years, well, 20, yeah, 2019, so four years now. So yeah, it is. I do. I I have a little study group that, you know, and I do follow on Instagram. There's a lot of people. It makes sense. Um, But it is complicated. And it's sometimes hard to get the patient to buy into it. But because the techniques are complicated, that's why you can only give usually two, maybe three of these exercises. But I think it's helpful from a chronic stand, chronic pain standpoint, I mean, we're trying to make a change um, in people's patterns. We, as therapists, can treat somebody's, you know, pain and get, you know, get it to go away, but does that last? You know, and that would be nice. It, it's If we can teach them an exercise to be able to kind of monitor that themselves instead of coming in and getting dry needle or manual work um, every, you know, three, four months, I think that's that's the way to go and give them more of the power to have their own tools Mm -hmm. to do things.
0: And you have the big binder of all the different exercises, right?
1: Yeah, so I haven't gone through them all. I'm taking another course um, in two weeks. Um, But yeah, there's obviously a lot of of work that goes into it and just learning. And again...
0: um, I still have all mine from the one... Clinical instructor that I had that treated a lot with it. I know the gist of how to do it.
1: Right, right, right. So maybe those aren't appropriate techniques. Maybe you need to work more on your, you know, breathing and your rib cage first.
0: So. That's where I think PRI where I've dived deeper with some patients, and it's just the start is the breathing part. Mm-hmm. Because it's one hard to do, absolutely. and two, I think so important. Oh, absolutely. In my limited knowledge of the pri has technique
1: changed a lot i also do um some women's health and it, that is very very important too for like the tone of the pelvis and all of that pelvic floor muscles um but I mean, we used to teach, you know, belly breathing, like let your belly rise first. Well, where are your lungs? They're in your rib cage. So we want to try to get like a 360 expansion around the ribs, not just, you know, in the front, and the chest to rise. You want the back to expand and all of that. So, yeah. And then there's a lot of the lower ribs tend to flare and that can cause pelvic issues or vice versa. Pelvis can cause rib flaring. And so, yeah, it's really important to get those lined up and to help, you know, with the total body again your rib cage controls your shoulder like so we need to get that
0: those your rib cage in a good position otherwise you could have shoulder issues so you treat a lot of women's health as well right uh, yeah mm-hmm. is pri a big part of women's health treatment as well
1: yes i i think it is and the, the people i follow on that Yes, but uh, you can, I mean, if your pelvis is not in a good position, how can your pelvic floor muscles function correctly? So that's what I, you again, try to reposition, and then we'll still do some manual work to the pelvic floor, but um, a lot of it is even teaching people how to breathe and not hold tension, um, make sure they're breathing correctly. Again, that has to do with their diaphragm and their you know, rib cage and all of that.
0: Did you take the your women's health, um, continuing education through Herman and Her, Wallace, Her, Herman and Wallace. Mm-hmm. do they talk about PRI at all? Cause uh, just listening to you talk about it to me without knowing a lot about women's health, it's like a link right there.
1: Right, right, right. So no, but there are some PRI providers that are going to start teaching, um, actually vice versa. I'm sorry. The, the, um, they have taken Herman and Wallace and they're going to teach PRI now. So yeah, I don't think there's a link at all, but yeah, a lot of a lot of people try to just, you know, expand their knowledge and help the patient, you know, as quick as possible, so they want to have a lot of different variety.
0: What's your course coming up in a couple of weeks?
1: Well, actually, next week I'm going to a visceral course, Um, and then the following week is my PRI class on impingement and instability, so that has to do a lot more with, I I think it's going to talk about, like, torsions at the knee, the tibia, and the femur, and then um, the shoulder blade.
0: I'd be curious what they talk about with the torsions at the knee. I think that's something that's missed a lot with knee pain.
1: I agree. I agree. In my opinion, and from what I've been learning lately, too, is, I mean, knee pain, it's a hinge joint right like one motion flexion extension unless you've had trauma you know it's really driven from your hip or your foot because those are multi-planar things Mm -hmm. so you need to definitely yeah you're you compensate it's all those compensations
0: that either starts from the foot or starts at the hip and works its way up or down
1: yeah and that's then can result in a knee injury exactly
0: which is the tricky part about what we do is and also fun as we look at the whole body but also yes. sometimes i think it's hard to get across that yes i know you have knee pain mhm but i'm working on your hip because i think it's coming from your hip
1: right exactly yeah yeah so if your you know femur isn't sitting correctly in your pelvis again that's going to if your if your pelvic position is off that's going to drive your femur to turn a certain way and get stuck and not maybe rotate Um, and that's gonna affect the knee, so.
0: Now earlier, Heather mentioned that she's kind of a jack of all trades here at Freedom, which I completely agree with. I think she probably treats the most variety out of all therapists here. And I've been now treating the jaw for nine months now, give or take, and Heather and I have really been trying to learn from each other because we're kind of at the same Point and we have some therapists leaving so we have to take a little more of the caseload heather out of all your patients right now what are you seeing the most of because i bet you have an even split of yeah everything.
1: i do i do yeah i would say i mean i've got a lot of tmj patients a lot of pelvic floor and then i would say a mix
0: of like back neck pain you know other joints have you always been kind of a mix like this in your professional career
1: um i so at one point i was seeing a lot more shoulder patients because um, i went to work for some orthopedics surgeons specifically working with shoulders um but i i do enjoy it all i mean we're truly connected from head to toe through fascia muscle whatnot and i think if again what's the driver that's the goal is to find the root cause of why you're having your shoulder pain it's probably not just your it's because of compensation somewhere your ribs you know you're getting stuck Mm -hmm. in a pattern somewhere so
0: and i tell people all the time too and i see a lot of shoulders now is yes i know your shoulder's hurting and i want to fix that but my ultimate goal is to treat the root cause so i don't need to see you again
1: Right. Exactly. Not
0: that I don't enjoy working with people, but right. I think our goal is to get you back to Correct. not coming into a clinic routinely. Correct. Every year, whatever the case is. Right. Yes, I agree. Something that people don't know about Heather, and I've never told her this. When I first started working at Freedom, it's hard to work at a new job. You're meeting new people. Heather is the first person that said, A, hello to me at Freedom, and B, asked me something personal about my own life to make me feel super welcome at Freedom. And I think that it epitomizes the character that Heather has. Thank you. So it's something you probably didn't know. <laughs> no. And Heather has been nervous about coming on a podcast, and I've been waiting to tell her that <laughs> on the podcast.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely love the, uh, you know, getting to know people and, um, yeah, getting, to, I mean, just the personal connection that you can
0: have with people. And I think we do that both from an um, employee standpoint amongst ourselves as well as with our patients. At least what I've noticed working here is I think we do a really good job of um actually getting to know one another as in as therapists as well as doing the same with their patients which to me is really cool
1: yeah i agree i mean i think you kind of do need to get a little personal you need to know their lifestyle and you know what activities they're actually trying to get back to so yeah
0: and if i remember right from our first or at least my first all staff meeting you or mike approached you more than once to come and work for freedom Right. Yeah. Did. How did it, so? How did you end up at Freedom?
1: So, during the pandemic, I was furloughed, and my mentality is just to not. I, I'm a worker. I enjoy doing things. I don't want to just sit around. Um, I think a lot of us physical therapists, you know, want to get out there and help people, and you know, so. Um, I had approached Mike and said what was wondering if he needed another therapist and so
0: he said, yeah, he could use and you knew Mike before, right?
1: Yeah, I knew I know Mike on a personal level. Yeah, we have some mutual friends so
0: not sure if that's good or bad, but
1: <laughs> fine for my my side of things, but I don't know about Mike. <laughs>
0: I'll have to ask him and actually get him on a podcast one of these days. There you go. And he had approached you before the <clears throat> pandemic to come
1: yeah come we, here we've right talked a couple times exactly so yeah and now i just felt like you know the time was right with my where i am in my life with kids and all of that so
0: now obviously you have way more work experience than i do since your first job how is like the setup of patient care is it mostly one-on-one at least in your experience i know it's probably changed a lot in 25 years too just based on reimbursement and just how things are set up
1: so um yeah for well it's very hard for a private practice to survive mm-hmm. one-on-one for sure yeah so at my at the previous place i was working um a lot of times we would see two patients um in an hour's setting and you would do you know half of your setting. One on one with them, but you also utilized your techs and aides who usually have like a kinesiology background. Yeah. They would help with the exercise portion, but you would tell them which exercise to do. So, yeah. So, that's one thing that's really great about Freedom is, I mean, they do value that relationship between the patients. They don't want you to feel like you're being tossed around, like you're getting the good quality care that you deserve. Yeah. Um, Definitely helpful from our standpoint, we can really just focus on that one patient during our time.
0: Yeah. And I don't know how it was for you, but I came from a similar, um, setup at my last job. It took me a little bit to get used to that 45 minute one-on-one time again with patients. I felt mm-hmm. the first couple months I was like hustling through and then you're like, Oh, we're just 30 minutes in. We have time. Nice. You can not go at a snail's pace, but really make sure that you're doing every addressing issues in that 45 minutes i don't know how it was for you the transition to that longer
1: yeah yeah a little bit um but with that i was also learning some new things too like i mean i took on more i mean i was tmj was a new area for me women's health so
0: did you know tmj before you came here
1: i didn't but i took the course Um, like a week or two before I started.
0: Mike's course?
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: I think Mike's course is really good Uh, and it's interesting and I've talked to this uh, with a couple other therapists on the podcast. Mike's class is super interesting in a sense of it is being taught by someone from a private practice perspective that a lot of times you have to dive deeper into someone's issues regardless of where it is because they've probably seen someone else beforehand right but the basic usual things you would think of are not working so that should tell you right away that there's something potentially more going on which i thought was interesting how he someone's just having basic clicking in their jaw but i'm going to look at their palette because i think there's something deeper going on yes which is I think both of us would agree it gets a little tricky too.
1: The other thing that's kind of cool too is I see a huge connection between the pelvic floor issues and TMJ. A lot of people that have TMJ issues also have pelvic floor
0: issues. What is the connection? Or still trying to figure well, that out? It's
1: just that there's some instability, um, and they're trying to either, you know, clench or compensate in those areas because they don't have stability elsewhere.
0: Do you think it starts from one area and leads to the other? Like, are you seeing a trend of more people that start with TMJ pain and then have pelvic floor or vice versa or do you think it's irrelevant I
1: think yeah I think it can go either way honestly they can either start with the TMJ and then it can develop they can develop pelvic floor stuff but I definitely think it's kind of like the two openings right like, Yeah And so they're just trying to get stability somewhere in their body whether they're clenching and tensing things up in the jaw or in the pelvic floor
0: Perfect so you are going to take on a bigger TMJ caseload <laughs>
1: We'll, we'll talk about that, Joe. We'll share.
0: Heather and I keep going back and forth right now because, like I said earlier, we're having a couple therapists that are taking different job opportunities, and they also treat the jaw. So the caseloads are being distributed to both Heather and I. So we're having a little competition who can treat more of them.
1: That's right. I'm okay if you win on that one.
0: <laughs> it's hard. Um, now, Heather, I'm going to assume that outside of work, you are not just a physical therapist 24-7 and go home and... Go through research and courses, even though the next couple of weeks you're doing continuing ed. Yeah. Um, what are some of the things you like to do outside of work?
1: So, I enjoy um, playing tennis, pickleball, biking. I definitely like the warmer weather, so I'm outdoors a lot in the summer. I uh, hibernate a little bit more in the winter, just do more indoor stuff with, you know, indoor tennis, that kind of stuff.
0: From what I've heard, you and your husband are pretty competitive on the pickleball court and the tennis court.
1: We like to do well, yes, yes. <laughs> but it's also important to have fun, right?
0: <laughs> so do you guys have more fun together or are you too competitive or you can't have fun?
1: No, we like to have fun.
0: Do you guys yeah. play against each other or play with each other? Both. Both. Which one's more fun?
1: Uh, <laughs> um, when we play together, yeah, because he, he usually schools me. Yeah, he's got like a nice touch on his little pickleball shot and makes me run and then I'll miss and you know.
0: Heather's husband's one of the best local tennis players on the circuit, <laughs> from what I've heard.
1: <laughs> <you> sure, absolutely.
0: <laughs> Goes on work trips, comes home. Goes right to the tennis court.
1: That's right, yeah. And then has a nice warm meal when he gets home.
0: And you have two almost college age kids now, right? Yeah. Or no, your daughter's a senior.
1: My daughter's gonna be a senior, yep, at Whitefish Bay. And then my son's gonna be a junior at Whitewater.
0: Has your daughter figured out where she's going to school yet?
1: No, we're still touring. Definitely a big school. Um, Not sure what she wants to do, um, but yeah, so she's, we'll see.
0: Where have you guys gone so far?
1: Madison, loved Madison, just went up to Minnesota, enjoyed that, Mm. went to University of Arizona, liked that.
0: Is that the one in Tucson or is that in... Correct, yeah. Tempe, no, where's Arizona State?
1: Uh, Phoenix. Phoenix. yeah, Yeah, and there's one in Tempe too, I think there's a Tempe campus too, yeah.
0: And Tucson is U of A? Correct. And she liked that?
1: She liked that, but I guess... Out of the three, that's the last. I think she'd probably, my husband's like, she'd probably like ASU better, but that's just so huge.
0: They're both pretty big, aren't they? Yeah. How many kids go to U of A? I don't even
1: know. If
0: they even talked about it at all. Yeah, they probably did, but yeah. Well, you know what Scotty says about Madison? It's the best school. Only the best and brightest go to Madison.
1: There you go. Yes, yes. Well, she'd like to go, so we'll see.
0: Does she know what she wants to do at all?
1: No um either healthcare or business complete opposite so i think a big school is good for her so yeah she's got to
0: figure that out do a lot of her friends know where they're going
1: no i think everyone's pretty early Yet yeah, she'll start some you know just started filling out like the common app and stuff like
0: do that. they require the act now or is that done?
1: not yet i mean because of the pan more because of the pandemic so i think they're going to start bringing that back a little bit more but some schools even before the pandemic um said they don't need we're dropping it yeah
0: well Heather, i have one more question before we finish this podcast what motivates you to be a better physical therapist which i think could also transition to being a better human being but since we're a physical therapy company we'll start with what motivates you to be a better physical therapist
1: yeah that's a really good question joe um you know, I, I think the body is an amazing thing, um, and I think we ha- we're we only given one, and I think it's important to take care of it, and I just love to learn um, new things all the time just to try to make things better. So, um, yeah, I don't know if that really answered your question, but I think it's just, I, I, yeah, it's just an amazing thing, and if we can continue to learn. New, I mean, you know, there's all these trends that keep coming through, like, vagal nerve stimulation, you know, um, breathing, uh, you know, posture down and back isn't correct now. So with the shoulder blades, so That's
0: what I think makes it tricky too, is there's so many different <laughs> <laughs>
1: techniques, avenues.
0: fads, techniques, exactly. um, that, and I'm on Instagram too, for a lot of physical therapy stuff. Cause I think there's a lot of good information out there, but we love to evolve. I think as a, as a profession as well, which we kind of lose if we find something new, like, mm-hmm. just because you brought up the vagal nerve stimulation, we find something different compared to that. And then we look back at the vagal nerve, and we're like, nah, that's, that was just a, a fad and what we did. It's like, no, that stuff still matters. We're just now adding to right. what right. we know on that and what didn't, did or didn't work. And we're just going to keep evolving, which I think is, in my opinion, something cool. Ever. It's always something new that we're doing.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, another big trend right now is the airway, right? I mean... Which, which I agree with. So, and that definitely affects the jaw and, you know.
0: I just read a book on the airway from Nicole to try and understand how the airway works more and CPAPs sure. and basically how all of that goes with appliances too. I mean, it's a whole different realm of things, mm-hmm. which is a little tricky about what we do. You got to know a lot.
1: Yeah, you do. And I feel like I never know enough and I am one of those nerds. I do go home and try to study because I want to make my patients better.
0: Yeah. Which to me is also the frustrating part about classes and also the good, the good part is I remember taking Mike's class and I think I said this a couple of weeks ago is he's going through these techniques. This is what you're looking for. This is how patients present. And I'm like, well, these are five patients that I could have helped versus referred them to a different therapist had I known Sure. how to do this stuff. Right. right. Which I'm sure you do the same too.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yes.
0: Well, Heather, thanks for joining us this morning. Both of us have a full caseload of patients after this, so we tried to squeeze this one in this morning after some technical difficulties. But thank you to Heather for hanging with me as we got things set up. If anybody has any questions, please reach out to one of our four locations, either in Fox Point, Brookfield, McGowanago, or Grafton. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see everybody in the next episode.